thing over here and see if we're getting too loud and adjust levels as we go. So, okay, cool, cool. Well, here we are. We made it. Welcome to Fueled by Laura. <laughs> this is a podcast. Um, <laughs> what did I Sorry. get myself into? Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Welcome to the party, Miss Donna. Um, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. It's nice to be here, and I appreciate the invitation. Of course. Um, yeah. Well, I guess today we have um, Donna. I actually, I only know that your name is Donna, and you like do art. Who are, who are you? <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um, I my name is Donna Larita, and I do make art. Yeah. And. Um, any chance I can with any subject that seems to be pressing in our world. Mm. Mm. What's been pressing on you lately? Oh, well, let's see. What's been pressing on me lately? I am working on a body of um, new photographs and concepts um, for an upcoming show that I'm having um, with the title Waves. And so I'm exploring the waves of emotion that we have in our lives, waves mm. of joy, waves of sorrow, waves of grief, um, how, thing, how our lives are very tidal, as waves are. And so I'm um, kind of using that as a jumping off point to um, create this show that, that is opening in March. I like it. Riding really the cool. wave. And riding the wave. Mm -hmm. Is it, uh, do you kind of have like almost like a schedule or like a list of ideas or something for these shows that, and, you know, just ideas and threads that you follow for your shows and the themes? Or is there just kind of, is it kind of like a spur of the moment kind of thing? Like this hit me now and then I'm going to see where it goes. That's a good question. I think it's a bit of both. I tend to have, uh, you know, different threads of concepts that I work with, and then, um, you know, a word or an opportunity to come up, and it's which which thread do I untangle enough mm. to, you know, create a pathway to make something that reflects that. I like that. I always like the idea of like art being like the way that we like untangle ourselves is something that I kind of really like because mm -hmm. at least for me, like music is therapeutic or just kind of creating anything because mm. it can kind of help us cope and understand the world and ourselves so i like the untangling for sure and mm. i do think that's very real when you know things come up in our lives or mm. uh, you know personally or collectively mm -hmm. and um, i think when you get hit with something very profound and powerful and always not so great mm -hmm. um the the opportunity to make sense of it for me is to untangle what's what's been what i've got to face i guess mm -hmm. i was i was going to say what's been thrown at me but um yeah i'm going to say what's been thrown at me so mm -hmm. when things are thrown at me not to be a victim but circumstances of life 
what I tend to do with them is untangle them a little bit, tease them out a little bit, create some space and see what I can do to cope. And mm -hmm. art is that, is that vehicle for me. Yeah, that's, a, that's an awesome angle to, <laughs> yeah, because life is just like a freaking knotted ball of yarn and like to be able to focus on art and take that in again with the untangling thing that really just like, I think speaks true to having, having like thoughts in your brain and being like, how can I work this out in this like project in this show in this particular piece or whatever? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, I think being a creative person and I all think, I think that we all have that in us. Mm -hmm. I really do. Um, because the thing that surprises me, I work a lot with young people too. And, um, some, and also in very marginalized communities and a lot of people will just say, you know, I'm not creative. I don't have, mm -hmm. or, you know, if we're sharing stories about our lives, they'll be like, my story's not that interesting. And, um, the truth is, is that every person has the has our own. We all have our own story, mm -hmm. and um, and we all do have the opportunity to create, you know, what we want to around that. That that isn't to say it's easy or we have all the tools that we need, but we can at least create. We at least have original thought with mm -hmm. our own experience, experiences. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I like that. I feel like that's something that at least it's something that I can relate to and I feel like is something can be related to a lot where some people feel like, oh, well, my struggle isn't that bad. I shouldn't be worried about it. Or like like you said, like my story isn't that interesting. And I think the fact of the matter is is that every everybody's story is interesting and unique and beautiful in its own way. And I think that um, when you get certain creative outlets, like we kind of all were lucky enough to stumble into art in our own ways, however that may have been, it you know, allowed us a kind of almost like outward way of expressing our stories, whereas other people, everyone tells their story in a different way, you know, whether it be through photography or drawing or music or acting or anything. Um, and then there can be other ways that they do it through like their um, technical skills, quote unquote technical with, uh, you know, science and stuff. And, you know, just as long as you find that passion, it'll help you tell your story. So I think yeah. that that's, a big thing to just kind of keep close to yourself to remind yourself that it's um, your story's interesting no matter what right. you think it is it ultimately is so so that that um, is tr so interesting and it reminds me of um, in 2015 I got an NEA grant to go into a marginalized school in um, South Denver Mm -hmm. And um, the the project I did over a few months was um, about stories matter, mm -hmm. and to go in and um, work with high schoolers that they were having a, quite a big problem with bullying in their school, mm -hmm. and um, the way that I first started the how I just started working with them, and it took a lot of of trust to be built because here yeah. I was a middle aged white woman coming into a inner city school that was um you know primarily people of color mm -hmm. and um so it, i i felt like how are you know how do i even begin to gain their trust mm -hmm. to just like come in as a privileged person mm -hmm. honestly mm -hmm. and um and that i am able to work on my creativity and my art and and here are here's this population where it's 
you know, both parents, if there are two parents, working several jobs, um, just dire conditions, you know, mm-hmm. young people that are give up their room for their, you know, 16-year-old sister that's pregnant. And mm-hmm. they're just big, serious, you know, challenges. And I'm coming in to be like, okay, your story matters. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. how do we, how do you, do you even want to share that with me? And um, how I, how I got myself into it with mm-hmm. that, you know, I think with the trust is we all just were um, silhouettes. And mm-hmm. I started talking to them about, um, you know, how we can look at, you know, we're books, you know, kind of a book and you can't really see, you know, don't, don't judge a book by its cover, that kind of thing. And how as a silhouette, we um, can fill in what, what we think about somebody mm-hmm. if we saw them just as a silhouette or a book mm-hmm. uh, you know we don't know what's inside of it and so we so I really started playing around with that um, silhouette image I, I, I'm kind of a little bit off topic a bit but no, what, really I wanna, what I want to say is that that was kind of a neutral place for us to start and mm-hmm. a neutral place for um, the students to start with each other so if everyone is just a silhouette of themselves, how do you stop or how do you find that interesting or how do you color the image that you are or mm-hmm. how do you want to see, be seen? And so that became almost a platform for mm-hmm. me to work with them. And, um, and it, it became you know, a, a baseline where everybody was anonymous. People couldn't really tell who you know, they were. Of course they could by you know, certain body types or things like that, but to just kind of neutralize it. Okay, we're all, you know, a silhouette. And how, if I see you for the first time, and um, I don't know, I, we haven't had a conversation yet, but by just by looking at you, I could make all of these assumptions. Mm-hmm. And we do that. Mm-hmm. That's what we do as humans, I think. Yeah. And um, so I guess tying back to the reason why I was there was they were having a bullying problem and, um, you know, non-inclusivity and everything and how, how to even it out and be like, how do we want to color the, the you know, empty space, the positive, negative space and to create, you know, an opportunity for people's assumptions to not color the individual mm-hmm. and have the individual be empowered in their, you know, their shadow side, the shot side that they show to all, you know, to others. And so anyway, it ended up being a really awesome project. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I guess through that working with, you know, probably a good 100, 150 high schoolers was that um, story, their stories ended up mattering, you know, they, they, they became interested in their own story and didn't feel so self-conscious of like, well, if I say this, it's going to color this and people will see me as this way. So Mm -hmm. I feel like that container, that empty vessel of a silhouette kind of um, created a neutrality that was um, interesting to work with. Mm -hmm. And that tends to be a theme with a lot of the projects that I do. I work with the silhouette a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that was um, definitely like one of the big components of the first exhibit that I got to see of yours um, this past summer when I played up at the First Fridays, I believe, right? Was, was that, that at Eldo? Uh, no, in Boulder. Okay. Was that? Mm. So I remember it was all of, at least it was all of the windows, Okay. I believe was the 
um, exhibit. Yep. I'm trying to remember what it was called. Oh, that was called Transitional Evidence. And mm-hmm. that was a show about the thin veil between life and death. Mm-hmm. So I was, and that some of those images kind of had a silhouette form mm-hmm. to them, yeah. But that was um, a little bit. That was working with grief and death, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I do. I work with that theme too. And then um, immigration, refugees, uh, that just any marginalized community or topic. The silhouette has been really helpful in inviting people in. Uh, you know having their anonymity mm-hmm. be respected mm-hmm. and then being being able to um them being able to open up that's kind of my my more um collaborative work with others you know an audience that i go in and and you know work on a project versus the the show that you're referring to the yeah. the windows that was more of my personal mm-hmm. reflection on um a subject mm-hmm. I love I love listening to you talk about all of your projects and stuff because it's making my little mind go crazy. Good. Um, yeah. I, when did I get, let let let's reel it back? When did you start doing art? Like you. Um, yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> well, that, that is, um, and question. I want to know how your mind's going crazy. I'm so intrigued. Well, I um. <laughs> So. To, to gush a little bit, I love listening to you talk right now. Like, I'm just like sitting here, like, I'm so glad I get to be here and listening to you talk about your art experience and things like that, which I'm <laughs> excited that there's like more time left in the podcast. But um, the way that you're approaching these sort of like, um, like I want to like ethereal thoughts and feelings and stuff and trying to find something that's like tangible, but still also a little bit like um, amorphous, like the idea of like a silhouette or like just a body existing as a thing and like, putting against these sort of amorphous ideas into bringing us into the reality of existing as a person. Um, I don't know. I'm just kind of into it. Thank you. I I like that. I'm like excited to go do and do some research on your like past projects and stuff. But, Mm -hmm. um, well, I guess, I guess instead of like, where, where did you start? Like, what was the first project that you were working on that you're like, this makes my life make sense? Mm -hmm. Well, um, I think it was probably around, um, I think I was around 14 or mm-hmm. so, and um, I, my family, w- when I was growing up, my my parents moved a lot, and so mm-hmm. I was always the new person and mm-hmm. always recreating my space, and um, and so I remember at that particular time we moved from um, Southern California to rural Colorado, and it was a little bit of a culture shock, yeah. mm-hmm. and um, and what was the positive thing was just being in so much nature Mm -hmm. and so I think that became my place and I um, would go up into you know the outside world we lived on an apple orchard um, about 80 acres of apple trees Mm -hmm. and so I would just get lost in these rows of trees and then it was right up against the Grand Mesa and every fall with all the aspen trees I would just be you know I'd be in these foothills and just Mm -hmm. um, wander through trees I think that was probably my first like here's where I feel um, connected and at home or something Mm -hmm. and so I remember dragging logs from these you know (laughs) big aspen logs and cutting them up and carving them and um, just pouring wax into them making candles but also just exploring those materials of like you know the smells and the textures and I had at that point on um, I had this tiny it was my first studio I had this little studio on the side of one of our sheds and uh, a, uh, a wood stove 
And I would go in there and just be with these logs and, mm-hmm. and be alone and mm-hmm. feel like, um, you know, it was, it was, I remember it being hard being um, a new person in that particular area because, again, there were a lot of like, oh, you're from a different area. You must have this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. You know, it was really yeah. crazy because I was, I was never, we didn't come from money or anything, but because we came from California. I was going to say California, you know, that baby. Was, yeah. That was, and it was in the 70s, yeah. and that became like really exotic. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really, I think I didn't really know what to do with that, you mm-hmm. know? And I remember also like um, being the new person at that particular time, before I even got home from school, the first day, my mom had already been to the local little grocery store and had already known about me, that <sighs> I took the wrong bus and had already known what wow. had happened. And it was a mm. very strange thing to all of a sudden be, you know, exposed like that mm-hmm. and may- maybe this does kind of, kind of come back to the whole silhouette where you know you can just kind of be anonymous and yeah. that anonymity yeah, yeah, yeah. was kind of like not there for mm-hmm. that particular moment in time and so my reaction to that I think was to just carve a little something out mm-hmm. literally because I was yeah. carving logs but just you know carve a little space for myself mm-hmm. out to kind of figure out what you know, what vantage point, what perspective did I want with this new experience that was coming to mm-hmm. me? And of course, none of this was conscious because yeah, yeah. it was, first of all, the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't talk about stuff like that. And then it was also, you know, I was pretty young and I, it's not like we talked about, you know, like it, it's not like if my parents asked me how my day was, it was not really... Yeah, you know, fine, great. Fine, great, yeah. that kind of thing. You yeah. know, it didn't go into in-depth stuff. And, you know, sometimes it would be like, well, we're moving, you know, mm-hmm. in two months. Like that was kind of wow. how my life was. It was really always, always changing. Yeah. Yeah. And some, you know, like very basic needs way. So mm-hmm. I think that was, that became where I, I felt at that age, something by creating something and having that period um, of time with myself became probably the kernel of what grew me as an artist Mm -hmm. you know I paid attention to that feeling I had Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) I I love your answer to that because like I was um I feel like everyone starts sort of like, oh, I did like a drawing and it was great. But you're like, I was hauling Aspen logs down in my freaking art studio and I was carving shit up, buddy. I love that. How interesting. It was great. And being on an orchard for yeah. the years that I was, I mean, it was it was like my own little time machine, you know? No kidding. It was really nice and beautiful. I mean, it was hard work and mm-hmm. my father was working all the time. I mean, he would work his job about an hour away and then come home and tend to this you know have this farmer life and um so there was always something to do and um at at that age I had 10 acres of my own orchard of my own that I could do you know I could grow and pick and and make sure that you know it was irrigated I did pretty Mm -hmm. much everything except dry well I'm sorry to say but it was not an organic apple farm people oh no No, there was (laughs) spray and pesticides and that kind of haunts oh. me too i mean what got into my dna that oh who knows you know, <laughs> living in a toxic environment so there's that shadow side of that all right mm. yeah <laughs> but you know the little like mm. pastoral feeling of like beautiful nature around yeah it's important to me. yeah i think that yeah just there's something about 
kind of like finding your place that can really just spark something. Like, I know for some people, it is literally like, oh, the first time they get to New York and or like a huge city like that. And just like, wow, it's, you know, it's its own type of forest. Whereas like for me, I feel like I end up funneling. I feel most creative whenever I end up like somewhere in the mountains. So again, that was like to bring it back to El Dorado Springs again was <laughs> um, just like going into that um, art space was just like a fever dream. Oh my God. I was like art and like I'm in like this beautiful view with the mountains and everything. Like what's going on? This isn't real, right? We tried to put <laughs> yeah. it on words in the podcast and yeah, I just like just... was unable to. Well, you get a second chance now. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. Podcast. It was a fever dream. There yeah. we go. That's, it was, that's I remember going it. into that oh. space too, feeling mm. that same fever dream. Mm. It was such a magical experience yeah. to, I mean, I remember thinking, I got to be here no matter what. And we're talking about El Dorado Springs Art Center. Mm-hmm. And yes. um, yes. I was, I thought, even if I get a broom closet, I have to be <laughs> in this place. And I ended up getting offered one of the best studios. I was like, how did I get so lucky? It was really, really nice. In fact, my, um, my daughter at the time when she was alive, uh, she was so excited for me to have that studio. And I remember she would just say, it's like you're, it's, Eldo, that, that place is like your lover, mom. It just has <laughs> everything that gives you so much joy and passion wow. and love and community and connection. That's what she would call it. And she also said that it was like Treasure Island. Every time she mm. would come out yeah. with me she or, or come out, she goes, I, I, she goes, I always see something new. It's like mm. Treasure Island. So I thought that was, those were nice little pieces that she left me with. And I was so glad that she was able to see that place. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> see it and see it for what like it is and like means to like you and artists who work there as like this place of passion and creativity and mm-hmm. like nostalgia and remembrance and like moving forward and just everything that an art studio can be. Yeah, in a place nestled in the mountains. <laughs> yes, in El Dorado, in the canyon. <laughs> yes, as one way in and one way out. Yep. I remember taking that road up. I'm like, all right, we're going somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you guys are invited anytime. Seriously. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, thanks. I'll I'll, I'll hit you up on that broom closet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. There is a space. There are some spaces. So Mm. definitely. We'll have a chat after this. I'll keep that in mind. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Um, How did you get involved with the the Eldorado Springs arts. Yeah. Cause like, that's one thing that we've kind of talked about a lot is like that idea of like community and how, you know, the, us, like, you know, people who really participate in the art somehow find a way to find each other almost. Mm-hmm. But then there's also like certain periods of your life where you get dropped into these incredible communities and stuff. And so one of the big ones we've talked about is like college courses and programs and stuff. Like um, Beth was in the yeah. program at CU Our friend Cameron was at the program at CSU and it's, you know, when you get into these communities where you're just surrounded by essentially creation, it breeds just more passion, more art, and it's phenomenal. So I'm always interested in seeing like how these communities like get created. So how did you get involved with Eldorado Springs? And then had you been a part of another kind of collective like that beforehand or? Yes. Um, So... I, um, with my family at the time, my um, children and my ex, um, we had a, um, a gallery 
in Louisville, in Old Town okay. Louisville. And we, we ended up having that for about nine, nine and a half years. Oh. Oh, wow. And um, it was it was just started out as like my personal workspace. Mm-hmm. And then um, we had, you know, it's just like this kind of, nothing was really happening in Louisville at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, and it was, it was like, all right, well, let's create a pulse, a little bit of a pulse. Mm-hmm. And um, it just kind of morphed into, you know, having a, a space for me individually to work. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, meeting other artists and then creating um, more of a collective and a gallery situation and having um, – other artists were having shows every, you know, constantly. And mm-hmm. I mean, it was a lot of work and it was, it was not at all very profitable. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. It was totally a, <laughs> yeah. you know, labor of love, like we yeah. know as mm-hmm. artists. Um, and then we, then, then the, uh, the, the, the down space of, of our um, place became available. And that was around the time that my daughter was um, really doing a lot of music mm-hmm. and, she, um, we, we just kind of had this tagline of like, don't hang out in your parents' basement, hang out in ours. And it was <laughs> above the art, ga- below the art gallery. Oh, awesome. And so that's kind of how that, like it started with that mm-hmm. community. But I have always had, you know, spaces and collectives and, you know, I like being, I like being around other artists and mm-hmm. I also really do work, you know, alone a lot too. So mm. it's kind of like the best of, mm. of both worlds for me, you know, where I can dip in and connect with others and see what they're doing, but also have a lot of time on my own and work privately. Um, so anyway, so that that became, you know, that was really going strong. And then a good friend of mine was working on a project um, around the same time I was doing the immigration project with, mm-hmm. and I think you did see that work in Eldo, the... Mm-hmm. the Yes, yes. Yeah, those okay, were the yeah. silhouettes of the immigrants and their stories and everything. Mm-hmm. And that was around that was around twenty like twenty sixteen, the election was yeah. going on and there was so much negativity with immigrants in this country, which, mm-hmm. you know, we all know mm-hmm. that. And um, so I was working on that project and then my friend um, that is also at the art center was working on another pretty socially evocative project mm-hmm. and um she invited me to come out and um there was a space and it was just like oh my gosh and so at that point I had both my Louisville space and the El Dorado Springs place mm-hmm. and of course I thought you know I can do it all and <laughs> yeah. I can have yep. this and that and da 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 well a lot of things happened at that particular time that you know that was where you know some pretty horrible things um came up in my life and um and so we, you know, I, I went out to Eldo and it was just like, again, I think maybe I think about that tiny little studio that I had when I was 14 and being so close to nature. And mm-hmm. it was like, that was where my heart was going. It was wow. like being, being there. And um, I mean, Louisville was great for a long time. I think it was really great for my daughter and all of her young friends. Mm-hmm. I know that, you know, the musicians that started out there, that became a very pivotal point for them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, having a public place like that was was really great once we brought in, I think, the younger generation. That was really fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also hard to kind of be an island there. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, it was like a lot of people were, you know, they come in when they were just waiting for, you know, their dinner reservations or 
you know, and, and that it, that was just the period of time, I think, of, you know, what was happening. And um, I don't, I don't, I think it's, I'm going to get stuck here on <laughs> what I'm trying to say um, in a fair manner. Mm -hmm. I just didn't get the sense that a lot of people are that interested in what we were doing. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, they were, but it was, it, it wasn't able to support itself. I think right. that's it. Yeah. At a certain point yep. when you're, you do need people interested and you do need them to support you financially. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you can yes. keep it going. It's not it's like, just like, thanks for stopping by. Yeah. But... It's not just <laughs> yeah. a museum and yeah. I'm not getting big funding. So that was frustrating. And I mm -hmm. think moving to Eldo, I, I wasn't an island anymore. I was working with, you know, international artists that are mm -hmm. really getting, putting great work out there. And it was just became, you know, national and international strong professional artists. And so for me, that move was just so powerful into seeing that, you know, I'm, I'm not alone, Yeah. you know, and I think being, you know, running things in Louisville, it was like, I was still like running it yeah. and, and kind of alone in that. And, or my little family was alone in that. And it, it was it was definitely exhausting. Mm -hmm. And and it was fulfilling. I mean, it was sad to leave that place. But like the very last show I had, it was just an installation. It was just totally an installation. And it was very stark. And it was the name of it was Farewell. And it was, and I mean, you know, I, I had this whole farewell to that yeah. period of time and it was so unrelatable to my audience that I had been there that had been with me or not with me but in yeah, you know yeah. my community for so long and that I kind of felt like that showed me um you know that that it was it was time to say farewell mm -hmm. and I'm I'm going to also say that the that I've gotten a lot of support from mm -hmm. the city and a lot of support mm -hmm. from like being thinking outside of the box and doing pretty different things but it wasn't, you know, the, the, the population wasn't really there to come in and buy art too much. Right. Mm -hmm. But it was community building. So there's that. Yeah. So you got to, like, figure out how you're going to make it all work, you know, yeah. when, when you're, you know, when you have to support yourself. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the really difficult things. We kind of talked about this a little bit with um, a few people is just finding that way, that balance between you know as an artist because like it doesn't always pay well if it pays at all right kind of thing so it's just kind of you know when I was doing shows and stuff in Denver all the time it was you know we wouldn't really expect much and so it was almost just like if we got anything that we could like it a it just all went right back into the music project and b like if we got anything at all we were pretty excited about that like um it's very, and it was just very clear that like this is not something that you can really go into full time just right off the bat, and I think that's really kind of difficult from you know an artist perspective as opposed to like a lot of other professions where you can kind of almost like ease in and mm -hmm. you still get paid along the way, mm -hmm. like the entry level kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's unfortunate that artists don't get paid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, you work yeah. very very hard mm -hmm. and. Eventually, you can make, you know, make, make it, mm -hmm. but it's mm -hmm. not, it's not something, it's not a, a you know, it does, it's, it's rare, yeah. I think. I mean, it's not impossible. Mm -hmm. No. It's not impossible. It's, and it's, um, yeah, but like what's your day job does mm -hmm. end up 
you know, being what's expected. Yep. And also you, a lot of, I think a lot of people expect artists to do things for nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, music, for mm-hmm. example, you know, that's, a, I think that's one of the biggest ones where people, um, you know, there's, it's the pay in that realm. Mm-hmm. And that's just... why I want to start that. I'm, I have mm-hmm. started that March 4th in honor of my daughter, Julieta, mm-hmm. because I want to be able to help young artists get paid. Yeah. When mm-hmm. they, when they play or when they exhibit. You know, even, mm-hmm. I mean, it, of course, it's not like it, a, a fair, a, a good amount, you know, not just a tip jar. Right. Mm-hmm. So anyway, mm-hmm. that's, yeah. that's another one of my many things I'm involved in. Yeah. <laughs> so many projects. I I it. do have a lot of projects and a lot of ideas. I feel like that's kind of, you know, if you get involved or like really get like the ball rolling and stuff it's just like all these things pop up but what if i did this but what if Mm -hmm. i did that (laughs) and then it just keeps going and i think that's you know it's what keeps us all coming back is Mm -hmm. you know no matter how many times i've gotten to the point where i'm just like oh i'm like creatively dry at the moment um it just takes like a little bit of something to just get the ball rolling again and then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden i'm just like i have six eps that i need to record right now I haven't gotten that many songs written at once, but yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, well, what if I do this? What if I, you know, what if I start a podcast and I start doing this <laughs> and I start a band and I start it? It's I know it's it's, it's really we have a lot of I think artists in general yeah. have a lot of energy to mm-hmm. and and a lot of again original thought, creative mm-hmm. thought, and like it all comes at you and you kind of can't like filter it. Yeah, yeah. it's it's <laughs> but at this and at the same time. You know, I think, I don't think artists really ever grow old, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I mean, I'll be doing this for as long as I'm alive and my older artist friends, I have a dear friend that's in his nineties and he he doesn't, he doesn't stop. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like he didn't, you don't really retire. Yeah. Which is a good thing. It just gives you a different way to look at the world, I think. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know as artists and stuff like we can you know describe ourselves strictly as like artists kind of thing but i think ultimately what it is is that we found that passion and that something that we feel essentially like at home with just like you were saying when you were you know on the apple orchard um dragging logs into your studio (laughs) and everything um and you know not everyone is able to find that at a young age and so i think that art and creative outlets like that is one of the easiest ones to find because there's people who you know, kind of describe themselves in the same way as we relate to basically like our work and they relate to it, say like with computer programming and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, I've talked about this too, cause I've had some, you know, engineering training and everything and computer programming. And there's, you know, you can find beauty in anything. You can be- find beauty in making coffee and writing code and, you know, building a house kind of thing. There's, I think it's a matter of finding your passion and i think that as artists we kind of carve out our own little corner of like you know essentially like eternal youthfulness almost where we find this thing that helps us be excited about life no matter what chapter we're in yeah yeah well or or help us make sense of it anyway Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) yes like that untangling that we were Mm -hmm. started out with you know of like how do you when things get come at you really intensely and fast and and difficult i mean look at what our community just is living mm-hmm. through with the fires and mm-hmm. everything, you know, I mean, that is probably another, that will be another 
community project that I want to launch. It's mm-hmm. it's going to be still the silhouette thing, but yeah. um, but right now, you know, there's a there's a time and place for bringing coming in and wanting to talk to people about what they've lost, yeah. mm-hmm. and also wanting to I don't know I I feel respectful of of where everybody's at, mm-hmm. you know, with with what they've lost. But that coming at you like, you know, losing your home and losing everything and and it's so much so quickly, that's what that's what, you know, tragedy is. Yeah. Death. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so much so quickly that you don't understand and you've got to figure out like how am I going to live with this changed life and how am I going to start carving out a, a path and navigation. Mm-hmm. And um it takes it, it just takes takes a lot you know mm-hmm. it takes a lot of um takes a lot out of one and and um but back to that ball of like that intense coming at you if there can be some room some teasing out where there's some room to breathe and some room to navigate through all of that entanglement of sorrow and suffering maybe in those tiny little spaces something can be understood for mm-hmm. yourself mm-hmm. You know, some kind of, it doesn't make it go away it doesn't make it heal I don't believe in those things I believe in living with what's happening what's happened mm-hmm. and how you know it's not like a it's not like it gets there's an end okay mm-hmm. it's all these people that have lost their homes yeah that's not it's going to be the before and the after mm-hmm. you know if people that lose someone to, you know to death it's like mm-hmm. the before and the after mm-hmm. and I'm not afraid to talk about those subjects and, or invite others to do that. And so the, the, again, back to that veil. Yeah. Um, remember the typewriter where mm-hmm. people could type, yes. t- type messages to their loved ones that have died mm-hmm. on the same veil, on the same silk that my thin veils were made of. Yeah. It was again, an invitation for anyone that wants to take it to go into that, you know, tight knotted, ball of life and find some breathing room or something some resting spaces i guess mm-hmm. but boy there's yes. a lot to talk about yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what an, what an important conversation to have about like these feelings and these things that people go through and stuff and like um we can i'll obviously acknowledge how important it is but i'm curious like at what point um in your career did you like Move, move away from making art like to focus on your life and explore the lives of others because you do a lot of work in community and like representing other people and even this new project with like featuring young artists and like things like that um what is it about other people that you want to like <laughs> sorry i think i asked my question yeah. i'm just gonna stop yeah, there but i like um, it. yes um well you know i i had my i think well i i'm gosh let's see I took one of my first photography classes um, in in Southern California at a community college, and it was taught by a uh, war photographer that was in Vietnam. Oh, wow. And so he was just, you know, an amazing survivor of horrific things. And um, and I just remember how encouraging he was, and that you know that again, I was very young, and um, I think that it tends to be um my um 
affinity with young people mm -hmm. because I kind of wished I would have met somebody like me when I was kind of trying to figure out mm -hmm. things or, you know, I was glad I met the, the, you know, my first photo teacher, but like just to be able to give or be given permission to have your thoughts and to have, you know, to take them somewhere. Mm -hmm. So I think that began kind of the backdrop of, of where I wanted to head and then I had to make a living, so I ended up doing a lot of commercial photography. Mm -hmm. And my my philosophy at that point, and then this was all film, I, I just, and I was on my own, and I was very young, and I just kind of thought, if I can take a really good portrait of someone, and this is pre-digital, pre-selfies, mm -hmm. you know, it was me taking a capturing yeah. a really the, the essence of, of someone else and hoping that they like it so much that they would buy it. And I would be able to, you know, sustain myself. And that became yeah, like, dude. that was it. Like I became a portrait photographer mm. early on. And that was my philosophy of like, okay, the, my goal was to really just like take such great pictures of people that they can't like not buy them because they would see like that person, <laughs> that person that they love or themselves and all of that. Mm -hmm. So that, yeah, yeah. that was my secret little like weapon of like, <laughs> all right, I'm going to stay in my field and still... As I'm a photographer, mm -hmm. but it was yeah. not until, you know, I would be able to get, I would get offered different opportunities. Like um, I did my very first um, creative body of work was, was ironically the apple harvest. And I was able to get a small grant and I went back to where I spent time growing up mm -hmm. and um, documented the apple harvest. But my mm -hmm. real my my real connection was like working with the migrant workers and mm -hmm. you know hearing their stories and documenting them and after a hard day going into the bunkhouse and they were all making tortillas and they were clowning around and they were you know missing their families yeah. and you know that that kind of camaraderie that they all had was really um just fascinating to me mm -hmm. as a young person, as a young photographer of how to capture that. And I also thought that that was really missing in, in our culture as a, as a white American person, Yeah, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> so I was drawn to that, like, wow, different, you know, always observing, and mm -hmm. drawn to different ways of life and how to, how to capture that to show others, I think was, was that. And then I became, so then, so then my work, change and I became very conceptual mm -hmm. and that was probably I don't know um somewhere somewhere somewhere, somewhere along that happened line. at some point yeah I became yeah, yeah. I started really becoming a conceptual artist mm -hmm. and um was still you know working as a photographer and making you know having that be my bread and butter but then having projects where it was like you know I remember one one particular piece I had um I had a first boyfriend I lived with and you know he broke my heart and he you know ended up moving like getting a place down the street oh my god and we <sighs> lived together it was the first guy I lived with and I was like oh my god like seriously I feel like I am in you know I'm so vulnerable and he's still around but he doesn't you know he doesn't care about me and so we're separate but that and then I was like what am I going to do with these feelings and I ended up I literally ended up, I, the series was called Damaged Soul Series, but it ended up being Toast in a Jar. And I just ended up getting 
an empty jar and going through these stages of burning toast mm -hmm. and then putting them in a jar and photographing them, like suspending them. Uh -huh. And this was, again, pre-digital. And it was like, that's how I felt. I was like, the soul of me was kind of bur I was a burned from this from this heart. from this like relationship wow. Wow. and then it was like but I was still living in my house and I wasn't moving and I felt like my house was glass and all of a sudden I was so you know that's what I did with those wow. feelings and that became my very first conceptual piece was toast in a jar art is fucking this amazing is I know. and it took me that. you know and I mean it ended up being it ended up being a turning point yeah. because mm -hmm. I wasn't I was more of a documentary documentarian which I still feel I mm -hmm. am However, it turned into this whole just conceptual, like thinking things through to kind of get through yeah. and cope. And that, mm -hmm. you know, I mentioned that word cope early on in this. And it's just like, yeah, I think mm -hmm. how we can cope mm -hmm. as humans. Burning toast. Burning toast. <laughs> yes. Toast in a jar. <sighs> toast in a jar. Oh. <laughs> Dang. I've been, I've been reading this uh, book that I really adore i did not expect i these are like my favorite finds i was just at like a used bookstore i found this book called poem crazy where it's um this um, woman who's done like a lot of teaching and stuff and she does poetry and she it's kind of like a, a sort of like workbook kind of thing about like here's you know some things that i do and they're they go from like goofy and whimsical to just like and it's just like oh label things with just like write a whole bunch of random words on like little tickets and then just like label things randomly like that and then just <laughs> label them incorrectly like you're like you know a picture frame label it fish or something and then you can you know basically like loosen up your thoughts and everything yeah. and i think that's one thing that you know that's the beautiful thing about art is that we find ways to you know oh i'm dealing with all this like how do i feel like burnt toast in a jar and like how else would you like that's like the most accurate thing and like i'd imagine like you know just being able to ex express it feels incredible and then you're just like it's not what i was expecting but here we are and i do that all the time with um lyrics and stuff is like that line is genuinely gibberish but it works yeah kind of thing <laughs> i so, love the gibberish yes it's yeah and I think one of my favorite artists, Rivers Cuomo, lead singer of Weezer, I listened to a podcast where he talked about his writing, his songwriting process. And I think the line that I kind of applies to this whole rant that I'm on right now <laughs> was that, that I loved was he was like, you know, if I fully understand my songs, I don't think I'm writing a good song then. Because like if there's some, it's like uh, an interpretation of what you're feeling, what you're dealing with, what's going on in the world or whatever that you're kind of writing about and you know if i fully understand it then i it hasn't you know then i fully processed it right yeah. and so if i can't if i'm not able to like fully process it then it's gonna be there for me not just now but in the future as well mm. kind of thing and it'll morph its meaning so you're saying that um you want to stay in not fully understanding or you want to, with your lyrics to fully understand so you can let it go well i that's that's a, a mm -hmm. kind of the question that i was kind of like asking was like before listening to that i was kind of like oh there's some lyrics that i don't quite understand mm -hmm. of his that i would love to understand and he said that and i was like i kind of like that because i personally when it comes to like approaching lyricism is I like to have the meaning be just broad enough that it can apply to different situations as opposed to just like, 
you know, if I wrote a song that applied only to me and my very specific situation, like that would help me. But I feel like part of art is being able to share and be vulnerable with other people. So I think that having that open end, endedness kind of, you know, it makes it more complete, but also a little bit incomplete. Mm -hmm. So initially I was always kind of wanting it, all my lyrics to be, you know, kind of like, oh, you could tell what this is kind of, what this is about sort of thing. Whereas, and I didn't really like the nonsense gibberish kind of thing before that. But then I was like, you know, there's a a beauty in the fact that I won't always understand exactly what I'm expressing, but this gibberish line is how it's expressed. And so I don't have to fully process it before the work of art is completed. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that there is something to being able to go back and listen to something that you wrote in my case, or like see something that you created right. And essentially, you find a new way to look at it, not just mm-hmm. because you've got more experience under your belt or anything, but also you've just discovered a new way to process it or like um, interpret the gibberish. So I think that's, you know, it doesn't always have to make sense. And that's no. what's. And I think it's also really good to let it out in the world mm-hmm. when it's not making sense. Yes. Because I find lately my last, well, the project that we, that you, um, Thin mm-hmm. veils. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very personal work, and when I attach my personal story to it, I feel really tethered to it, mm-hmm. and I feel like it doesn't have the ability to. I, I just realized that this summer, I had a whole state. I mean, the statement, the the story with it, it's all very important, and it can be like it, it's. I want. The work that I put out there to not have that much of me in it not you know yeah. even though it does and so then like releasing it out where I'm not tethered to it mm-hmm. is really a new thing that I'm or not new but it's just something that I'm seeing the importance of mm-hmm. right now is is okay you know because I'm I'm all my work right now is processing my grief mm-hmm. of losing my daughter mm-hmm. and um and so it I don't want it all to be like okay this is about this it is about this a big it's what what created the work it's what inspired me it's what i have to do it's finding that that place in the tangled yes you know knot of life but um but it's also to release it without so much of my story so that others can can attach themselves and figure mm-hmm. and have that take them somewhere and that's been a really big new thing for me yeah just just that tiny sort of turn of like experiencing um and making work about your loss and then just sort of running it to like loss mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which can be really hard to do like especially when it's like this this is my life that I'm making work mm-hmm. about and then making it like um not even like making it accessible or something but like broadening it up so that other people can experience um their own loss through your work. Yeah. In fact, yeah. there's one piece that's called Drowning and um, in in my um, silks and some the woman that had uh, identified with it, she came up to me and she was crying and she's like have she goes did you have you ever almost drowned? And she was that that piece oh, just wow. the the image and then the title it, it, it she had almost drowned and so she was just like, you know, emotional about it how mm-hmm. much that did. And I was so glad that previously I had um, taken down 
my story about my work so that she could actually feel that. Yeah. If she would have seen that it was about me feeling that I was drowning in grief after losing my daughter, I just don't think she would have had that opportunity mm-hmm. to really, you know, and that's what I'm seeing as I'm putting more and more of my work out there yeah. mm-hmm. is, you know, to hold a little bit back. Okay. I can tell the story, but it doesn't have to be, it, I just want more. I just don't want to be tethered to it as much. I think yeah. that's what's really of the, what I've learned in my, in recently mm-hmm. putting you know, with my latest exhibit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beth, is that something that you've kind of approached when you're making your art as well with like kind of how it's going to be interpreted? And Yeah, it is kind of interesting. And I've been working on my website recently talking about artist statements, have me like putting it back through my brain. And it's like putting labels on, th- like the moment you put a label on something like this work is about this. Yeah. Everything stops for a second. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, but yes and no and yes and but but maybe and all this other stuff so it like you have to like tread labeling art so like carefully to not trap it in its own existence Mm -hmm. because like because by doing it because it's like okay beth makes work work about dragons because she's depressed but it's like um it's like it's it's it gets deeper than that and it's like all these other like layers and stuff that if you keep trying to like give a book about what the art is about then why experience the art if you're just gonna and what can i go back to what about dragons and depression oh Oh, my art is a random thing (laughs) oh no it's um it's it's part of my my body of work okay Um, as we say yeah yeah. um exploring like anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. and trauma whatever Mm -hmm. um stuff like that yeah no but um yeah definitely trying to label art is really difficult but Mm -hmm. it's like it's so tricky because you have to provide context of where these things like come from or at least you feel like but you have do to. you have to really yeah, right I mean, after can you if you're I saw the look at game after yeah. that, i'm like damn she's right um <laughs> but um i kind of feel i mean you know i have a lot of i have so many art crushes mm-hmm. and they're some of my best friends yes and um having that's that's where my my being so conceptual kind of Talks me over a little bit. Yeah. You know, like, like I kind of want to be back in the hauling Aspen logs down and, mm-hmm. you know, it, with this little, you know, fire going in my little studio at 14. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was not, I was not conceptualizing anything. I was just doing and feeling and playing and yeah. exploring. And, and, you know, um, I have a good friend that like tries to remind me of that. And I just still seem to like, can't do that but that's what mm. she does i mean it's really fun and and you know probably most of the artists that i'm around right now can really they they really get to maybe it's because i have some heavy topics too mm-hmm. you know how do you yeah. like yeah so it's yeah you know it's an interesting thing it, i think it's good to like learn how to play and mm-hmm. learn how to um play with your materials and mm-hmm and explore and have things and not worry about the outcome. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm not really quite there yet. Mm-hmm. I may not ever be. And and so that's another thing of like, well, this seeing different artists work and how they work mm-hmm. and watching yourself, maybe this, maybe I won't ever just be able to not be a conceptual person where it's yeah. like, okay, you know, like right now I want to, I want to, you know, start interviewing people that have lost their homes and, do a silhouette of, of them in their, you know, 
homes that are no longer and talk mm-hmm. to them. And yet I still feel like, ooh, that is still too close. Mm-hmm. You know, where am I? I don't know if I, I feel, I think that will happen mm-hmm. because, and yet, but, but that's the concept. That's my conceptual part being like, okay, this, this, and this, and this is all going to fit together and it's going to equal that. Yeah. You know, and that's the idea, but then the pro- the the pathway to it is all kinds of, it's not linear. Mm-mm. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's Man, an if interesting... art was linear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. I was, what was it? I was, uh, yeah, this whole time thinking about like labeling art, I think that's funny because like we've talked about and I'm think that, you know, I find humor in the fact that I call myself like the worst song namer of all time. So I just have, I just, I'm just like, I, didn't know that I about don't you. know what to call this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and also just, do you think that, um, you know, just kind of that approach with, you know, trying to make it, I guess, kind of more broad, your art is something that maybe can, is determined a little bit by the medium. Cause I think for me, that's something that's kind of always been in the back of my mind writing songs and I think that's also just because, you know, listening to music and, you know, listening to songs and stuff is like, I do want to find that book about the art mm-hmm. and I want to be like, <laughs> fueled by lore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to, I want to find like, okay, so what caused you to write this song? Mm-hmm. Like, what is the backstory? Yes. But that's also me just being like a big nerd and having like an artist crush and be like, yeah, no. I want to know what makes we you We all want to do that. Yes. Yeah. But then it's also like, but I also love that because then I can sit there and be like, this is what this song means to me. This is what I think mm-hmm. it's about. Mm-hmm. And then it could be something completely different. Right. Um, and sometimes and, you don't want to know that. You exactly. want to have your own, like, yeah. this is what it did to me. And I shouldn't go prodding the yeah. beach rubble. Yeah. Because I'm squeamish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a quote from Sappho. Okay. I was <laughs> like, like, that is quite a lie. <laughs> if you're squeamish, don't prod the beach rubble. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. And it's, yeah. I mean, personally, like, I don't mind if I find, like, a different meaning that doesn't line up with mine. Mm-hmm. For me, I think it's just a, if if that happens for me it's a testament to how incredible that piece of art is because then it's like it impacted me in a way that they maybe didn't intend it to impact me and so for me i was like i made a connection that possibly wasn't even like the you know intention there so you know do you think there's like a line where there's too much context to your art yes i do mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. for sure i think my my challenge um is to not have everything thought out mm-hmm. you know not have everything conceptual i mean i think it's great i like mm-hmm. that i had that toast in a jar moment mm-hmm. yeah um and i think it took me to a lot of places and obviously you know you uh, there has um you know it's not my work isn't just i mean there's some of my work that's random but it it does have a have a structure to it. Mm-hmm. But I think like anything that probably you guys both as artists and songwriters, musician, you can start out with a structure and then you can break the structure. Mm-hmm. And I think that's at least you know what I um, feel is necessary to create mm-hmm. good work. You know, I start out with like, okay, I mean, like right now, the work that I'm I'm putting together for this wave show, um, I really want to, I want, I'm making a, a fountain, um, and uh, what I want to do, what I wanted to do is project this image 
onto the fountain where there's water coming down. And um, it's just, you know, that was the concept. That was mm -hmm. the, the whole thing. And with many prototypes, it's like changed completely. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's actually becoming better than what I even thought it was going to be, where, where mm. the concept that I had, the conceptual piece that I had for it is so far behind what mm. it's becoming. So that's where, you know, that good thought can be like, all right, that was a spark. And I, you know, did some work with that. And then it took me on this whole other place that is so much more refined. And yeah. I didn't even know I wanted it that way. And so I guess, in, so then, then that does allow me to, I have played, I have played and explored. Mm -hmm. It just maybe doesn't seem like the way my friends do it. You know, yeah, because I'm still really serious about getting. I mean, they are too. So but are I'm you just comparing saying, yourselves to others? I think it's kind of inevitable. Yeah, that we do that, right? <laughs> yeah, of course, especially people we admire and you know mm -hmm. that are. But I mean, I didn't. I didn't just until now. I wasn't. I didn't realize that I had. I've actually been doing this exploring, playing around with things, and I didn't know it because I. I think I'm just so serious with it mm. Mm -hmm. you know it's i i have to still have a um you know i i'm not just a process oriented play person and mm -hmm. and i'm more of a, a product driven person okay. you mm -hmm. know and i remember and i also well a little side note on that is um i have been a teaching artist for almost 25 years with uh, an organization where you, you know, like I went into the school and worked with mm -hmm. the, the, the high schoolers and with that and got that NEA project or grant. And so it was always about, it was hard for me to be a commercial photographer and be like product driven because it was like, okay, you know, you do the job, you have the product. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then go into this like teaching art artist role where it was more process driven, mm -hmm. where it's like, okay, it doesn't matter if we have anything at the end of our mm -hmm. session because we experience that. Mm -hmm. And so that was really, really hard for me to break of like going in and, and just doing, you know, just process rather yeah. than product. That was a real, that was very hard in my like kind of working class background or something where it's like, okay, if we're going to do this, we're going to have this to show for it. Yeah. And to break that and to be like, no, we're experiencing it. And so I now think that I have um, gone, I've let loose in all these decades <laughs> and have become more, more process, but not completely because at the end of the process, I want a tangible thing. You want to have your mm -hmm. thing. Yes. I want to have yeah. a thing, you know, mm -hmm. and then I want to show the thing. So it's probably like you're, you're you know, you mm -hmm. at the end of your songwriting, you want to have a finished song and you yep. want to play it. Yes. And you want to have the thing and mm -hmm. you want to have the painting with the dragon that, you know, embodies the feeling that you had, you know, so I, That's but, but I mean, you know, then mm -hmm. you think of there's other artists like, you know, interpretive dance. It's like. Mm -hmm process yeah mm -hmm. you know and that's fine too but it's yeah. just it's so interesting how we're wired mm -hmm. you know i think also um with that with the uh idea of a product i think that's one thing where i get to be kind of lucky where yes i do have the end product of the song but and the coffee and the pickles and the coffee and the pickles <laughs> yes. <laughs> but also like with the song like it it gets performed and each performance itself is a product and a process at the same time because that song can be 
different. I can mess something up. I can just like yeah. go off on a little like run on this one instead. And I think that's one thing that I view it, especially like getting to talk to other people with in different mediums and stuff is like, I feel really, you know, lucky to kind of have like this. And, you know, there's definitely, there's probably ways that you guys are kind of feeling like, you know, oh, I'm lucky that I get this aspect of my medium. Whereas like, if it was like music, it would, I wouldn't have this kind of thing. And, you know, we fall in love with our mediums and it ultimately becomes a reflection of ourselves, I guess. I do think yeah. that having music as your medium is, I, I'm a little bit envious <laughs> <laughs> because I have like all this stuff that is my medium, all this gear. Mm-hmm. I do too. You know? I do yeah, too. you do too. It's true. <laughs> what am I saying? You look at, I'm sitting amongst all your, um, but you can immediately pick that up and, and create something. Whereas, mm-hmm the photographic process is different. Yes. You know, yeah. in that way. Or the, yeah. You also don't waste paper practicing a guitar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was thinking about that the other day. I'm like, I was looking at my sketchbooks. I'm thinking like, when people practice music, they just, it just goes into the air. I yeah. have to, like every time, like, um, I don't know how, how much of your process involves like the drawing and the sketching and the painting, but every time I practice, I have a product. Mm. Yeah. Which is just so much. Anyway. And That's what do you do with the product? And how much product does, do we need in the world? And blah, 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 yeah, blah, Do, blah. do I so sell again, this? Do I put yes. this on the internet? Do I do this? Do I um, do I throw it away? No, never. Um, <laughs> but oh, I don't think any, I don't, I, I don't think this is a linear conversation. No. It can't be. It's not. It's just. It just is. It just is. It keeps yeah. going. It's going. And going. Mm-hmm. And we keep learning about what. Yes what we want to do and how we want to do it and how we want to connect with others. And yeah. so I think um, to kind of circle back to that community piece with, you know, my work, I, I guess, I, I, I think that it's kind of, you know, it's, it's just so nice to be able to have other minds to bounce off of and, mm-hmm. and you know i like to be able to almost create the vessel and then step away and i can see others enjoying that and mm-hmm. that that's a that's a good feeling mm-hmm. and and then because there because there's always something more to do for me yeah. so it's like okay i got this now i can move on to this if mm-hmm. i was still stuck in this i would not get to do all these other things that my crazy overactive mind is <laughs> wanting yeah <laughs> so. to grab onto I love that. And I think that I relate to that a lot, especially because like, and I also love like going back earlier, how you talked about like, oh, with um, your guys' basement in Louisville is like, when I was in high school, my dad's basement was the place where we had concerts and everything like once a month. So it's just, it's fun to see all of these, you know, you know, talk to all of these people. And I'd imagine Ethan was maybe involved with some of that, which yeah. is exciting to kind of get a little more of his backstory yeah, that he didn't Ethan share and, with, and Mike, with us. Sparky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they yes. were all there. Uh, and then, so you know, it was great. It mm-hmm. was, they're, they're, I, I will share with you yeah. videos and images. And mm-hmm. it, was, it was really a powerful time for oh, sure. And yes. very, and, and I remember, you know, in that, I brought the very first hip hop show to Louisville. And I remember oh, no some way. of the audience. So it was not all just like disinterested. Yes. So I want to go back to that. There, it was becoming mm-hmm. very, you know, there was a vibe, there was that yes. pulse. And I remember um, somebody in the audience that was just shaking their head going, hip hop in Louisville? <laughs> and it was really, it was awesome. So, you know, that's that mm-hmm. community piece where you can, 
you know, just like break something out and, yeah, you know, affect, you know, it's really, it's really, we all want to be, we all, all want to connect in some way and all of our stories matter, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just creating that, that container for people to feel safe enough to do that. Yes. Safe enough to be vulnerable with others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Safe enough to be vulnerable. And sit in the dark and record a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Look at this. laughs> well. Uh, well, with that, um, how can we find you on social media? Where can we find all, or where can our listeners find all of your, uh, plug your shit. Plug your stuff. Where can okay. we find you on well, Instagram? Um, the you internet? can find me on Instagram at Dona Larita. Mm-hmm. Um, Facebook is same Dona Larita and my website's my name d-o-n-a-l-a-u-r-i-t-a and um I am at I my studio is at El Dorado Springs Art Center and we have a great place out there which mm. I would love to come back and talk more about that if you'll yes. have me back oh, absolutely and um and then I have an upcoming show in March at Valkyrie Gallery in Denver in Lakewood in the Belmar Center and that's exciting it's the show on waves and then I will be in North Boulder the month of June at the bus stop gallery so those mm. are kind of some things coming up but awesome. um yeah definitely can find me in those places and online and I really enjoy hearing from people. So I will, you know, I like to. Oh, and then I'm at East Window right now, East yes. Window Gallery in North Boulder. Um, mm-hmm. Some of my work's there. And I just had a great write up in the Daily Camera and the Colorado Daily mm-hmm. um, on my work. So I'm very psyched about that. And I'm yeah. grateful that you guys wanted to have me so close to my article and mm-hmm. these shows coming up because it's really nice to kind of tie it all together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. Of course. Thank you for being on here. Yeah, it has been lovely talking to oh. you. Um, I, we got, we got one more question, but I also want to toss one in here. Um, just because you, you've been making art and you still are so excited about art and community and like sharing that with people. I'm just like, what's your advice for the little artists out there, Dona? <laughs> <laughs> you mean the younger ones? Yes. The younger, <laughs> the, the younger the generation? Yeah. Or just anyone getting started. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say to trust yourself and not be really critical, self-critical and keep doing and, um, connect with others that you, Mm -hmm. that you really, you know, find, find something in, you know, find what they're doing and connect with them. And, um, you guys are, I mean, already, reading books and being on podcasts and finding new people all the time. So I don't think you will have a hard time connecting with others, but I, and I do feel when you are, we can collect, we can connect worldwide right now, Mm. of course. However, there is something about local and something about doing this and Mm -hmm. something about like you guys coming and playing at Eldo a couple of months ago where you have, you know, so many different visceral feelings that like really go deep into the the art making process Mm -hmm. so i think that that's really important too for you know the people just starting out or younger younger people that you know just immerse yourself that would be Mm -hmm. probably and that's that's definitely what i did beginning and um yeah and just you guys seem like you're on a nice, like just opening the doors for just curiosity. And I think being curious, that would be like my 
very last thing I want to say is just continue to be curious. Hmm. I like Thank that. You. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. you wanna... Do you want to do the honors or do you want me to do? I really love talking to Jonah, so if you don't mind. Go for it. Hey, Jonah. What feels like home to you? Mm. My children. Mm-hmm. My children feel like home to me. Yeah. And um, being in nature and being able to um, just see and think about how the world is. And I think also feeling love. That feels really like home to me. Feeling mm-hmm. love. Thank you. Yeah, thank hey, you for... <laughs> podcast. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for recording through the dark. Yeah. <laughs> the sun started going around. I'm just this like, is nice. Right. It, oh, it, it actually cool. focuses me because I'm just really thinking about I'm not distracted with all these wonderful instruments and pieces of art that you have. So mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, um, a sense of place, you know, mm-hmm. that's important. Mm-hmm.